Hi, everyone. I'm a grandfather to a beautiful granddaughter, and I had successful heart procedure, and I am so blessed. So I thought I would do something for all my listeners. I have lowered the pricing on all of the great collections of old-time radio, TV, serials, movies, and the digital 2-7-inch tablet just in time for Christmas. To take advantage of this blockbuster sale, go to oldtimeradiodvd.com today and save big time. You'll be glad you did. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft clothes for men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present that immortal character created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. This week's story, The Adventure of the Discordant Bell. Listen to those bells, Holmes. Yes, Watson, the historic Blandford bells. They've been ringing from that bell tower for three centuries. Sounding out the curfew, eh, Holmes? More than that, my dear fellow. They've warned of enemy ships at sea, of storm and danger. Great Scott, Holmes, the bell's there. They're ringing out murder now, Watson. Quick to the bell tower. Well, Dr. Watson, working late at your memoirs tonight, I see. Yes, Mr. Harris. And on a particularly fascinating adventure, if I may say so. I call it the adventure of the discordant bells. Hmm, rather strange name, Dr. Watson. Yes, it is indeed, and rather a strange case. To this day, Mr. Harris, I cannot hear the sound of tower bells without recalling vividly the peculiar events of this remarkable adventure. And, Dr. Watson, you're going to tell us all about it. I shall, Mr. Harris, I shall indeed. But suppose you begin by telling us some of the facts about Clippercroft clothes. Thank you, Doctor. You really ought to include America when you count your blessings on Thanksgiving Day because America has made it so easy for you to afford the good things in life. No other country anywhere could give you suits that come near the superb quality of Clippercraft at only 40 and $45. But at Clippercraft, such miracles happen every day when more than 1,200 of this country's finest independent stores from coast to coast concentrate their mighty purchasing power. That calls for enormous quantities of fabric. That keeps every last member of Clippercraft's great tailoring staff working on a full-time, all-year-round production schedule. The savings would make you gasp. That's why your Clippercraft suit of luxurious worsted costs only $45. And why so many millions are taking advantage of Clippercraft's superior values in expensive looking topcoats and overcoats. Yes, compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, you were going to tell us of the adventure of the discordant bells. So I was, Mr. Harris. And it begins properly near Eastbourne at a place called Beachy Head on the Channel Coast in the South Downs country. There, atop of Browning Cliff, stood Blandford Abbey, built by the first Lord Blandford centuries ago, 
along with the famous Blandford Bells and the Bell Tower. These bells were not only historic, but priceless in a material sense, studded with jewels and encrusted with gold filigree. Then one afternoon, Lord Blandford and the Abbey trustee, Charles Easterly, were in council at the Abbey when they received a visitor. My name is Allgate, Lord Blandford. William Allgate. You know the name? Yes, Holgate. I know the name. And well, his lordship should, eh, Mr. Easterly? Look here, Holgate. If you're going to enter that ridiculous family claim of yours to the Blanford Bells... They're mine, Lord Blanford. Do you hear? They're mine. My family right. My ancestor, Christopher Allgate, cast those bells for Lord Peter Blanford in the 17th century. He was never paid for his work. He was cheated. Died in debtor's jail. And I suppose you expect me to pay you for the bells, eh, Holgate? My rightful inheritance, Lord Blanford. My father tried to collect it from your family, and my grandfather before him, and his father too. But I'll not be put aside as they were. Oh, won't you, Holgate? Well, let me tell you this. You have no legal right to collect anything, and I'll not submit to blackmail. Now get out. Very well, Lord Blanford. But believe me, you'll regret this. You haven't heard the last of this yet. Hmm. A very unpleasant fellow, your lordship. Yes, Easterly. That word unpleasant reminds me... I have a very unpleasant duty to perform at the bell tower this evening. Yes? I must tell Oliver Mudge, the bell ringer, that his services are no longer required. But why? Why, your lordship, why? Why are you giving me the set? I'm sorry, Mudge, but your conduct forces me into it. Twice you've reported to the bell tower here in your cups disgracefully drunk. And three times you have rung the curfew late. But, but your lordship... I don't propose to argue the point, Mudge. Tonight you ring the bells for the last time. No. No, Lord Branford. You, you'll not separate me from my beautiful children up there in the belfry. From father to son, my family has rung those bells ever since they was hung in the belfry. You can't give me the sack. You can't. I can and I will, Mudge. <laughs> I've already engaged a new bell ringer, Alfred Riggs. He'll be here tomorrow to take your place. No, Lord Jim, you Lord Jim, no. Here come my babies up there, my wee babies. Your tongues are still. Come, little Davy, big George and beautiful Betty. Open your brown mouths and cry. Come, big George. Awake. Weep, my winsome Betty. Weep, girl. Weep bitter tears, for this is our time of parting. Come, little Davy. And now... All of you, cry, cry. Sing, sing a sad song, my beloved ones. Higher, higher. Move your tongues, my babies. Move your tongues. Pour your tears from your throats. I'll have my revenge, I will, if they steal you from me. I... Oliver Mudge, the bell ringer, will have his revenge.
beauties up there. You've got a new master now. Me, Alfred Greek, the best bell ringer in all of England. Just as soon as I can light this lantern, we'll ring out the curfew and... <laughs> Will you, Griggs? Who's that? <laughs> Who's there? In the bell tower. <laughs> Who is it? I can't see. Oh! No! No! Take, take your hands away from my throat. I, I, I can't breathe. Oh, please. No! Well, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, I've given you what facts I possess. After the new bell ringer, Griggs, was found dead, and knowing that Lord Blanford was in mortal danger, I came post-haste to Baker Street here. I see. A very wise decision, Mr. Easterlay. You say this bell ringer, Griggs, was found hanging from the center bell rope? Yes, Dr. Watson. And the official police, what's their view of this rather peculiar phenomenon, Mr. Easterlay? Suicide. I see. But I take it you are not so sure. Well, Mr. Holmes, in view of Holgate's claim to the bells and the attitude of the original bell ringer, Oliver Mudge... Quite. Well, it seems to be, Holmes, a man like this bell ringer might resent getting the sack enough to... We cannot spring to any conclusion at this time, my dear Watson. The first rule of investigation, ascertain the facts, then form the conclusion. Then you'll come to Beachy Head and look into this situation, Mr. Holmes? By all means. This particular problem has certain peculiar and bizarre facets that I find impossible to resist. Watson. Yes, sir? I believe there's a noon train for the South Downs country. We shall make it a point to be aboard. Right, Holmes. You will accompany us, Mr. Easterlane? I, uh, no, Mr. Holmes. I have some rather urgent business here in London that will keep me overnight. As you wish, Mr. Easterday. We shall meet you at Beachy Head tomorrow. Mr. Holmes, I had no idea that Mr. Easterly, our Abbey trustee, had summoned you here to Beachy Head. But now you have arrived, I bid you welcome. Well, that's very kind of you, Lord Blanford. And I must say, it was a very pleasant journey. Uh, Lord Blanford. Uh, yes, Mr. Holmes? A few questions, if you please. Well, of course. Do you believe the verdict of the official police that Alfred Griggs hanged himself? I have no reason to believe otherwise. What about the bells, Your Lordship? I suppose they will remain silent now? Not at all, Dr. Watson. For three centuries, the Blanford bells have rung every day. They have told their warning through the South Downs of danger, the call to arms, of public meetings for emergency. In calmer times, they have faithfully rung the curfew. And they will go on doing so. Indeed? How? The dead man's son, Peter Griggs, has courageously volunteered to step into the breach and replace his father. He will ring the bell to the curfew tonight. I see. But now, Lord Benford, where can we find the discharged bell ringer, Oliver Mudge? Well, I'm afraid you'll have some trouble there, Mr. Holmes. Mudge has disappeared. Disappeared, eh? Yes. The police visited his cottage yesterday and found the place empty. Significant, don't you think, Holmes? Perhaps, Watson, perhaps. And this man, Holgate, the man who claims he owns the bells, where can we find him? He lives on Peddick Lane, just about High Street. Excellent. Come, Watson, we'll be off to Peddick Lane and have a few words with Mr. Holgate. Holgate, I take it you knew the original bell ringer, Oliver Mudge? Aye, I knew him, Mr. Holmes. So perhaps you could tell us where we might locate him. I don't know that, Dr. Watson. I mind my own business, I do, and I let Mudge mind his. And I presume your business is entering a claim to the Blanford Bells. Aye, but they should be called the Holgate Bells, Mr. Holmes. Yes, I understand you approached Lord Blanford with your claim on several occasions. Aye, so I have. I've approached his lordship. He's thrown me out of the abbey every time he has. And Mr. Easterly? 
I presume you've talked to him, too? No, I've done that, too. But him and Lord Blanford, they're two peas in a pot. And here I am, with not a shilling, and those bells up there worth a fortune. Well, I must confess, Holgate, I can understand your feelings in this matter. Aye, and they'll not take down the bells. They'll keep them up in the tower. Well, let them, says I. They won't sound a note, what with Alfred Griggs dead. They'll not ring now. On the contrary, Holgate, they will. Eh? What do you mean? The dead man's son, Peter Griggs, has volunteered to stand by as bell ringer. I see. Young Peter, eh? Exactly. But come, Watson, we must be off. Where to, Holmes? It's rapidly getting dark, Watson, and I should like to inspect that bell tower. Holmes? Yes, Watson. Where in blazes are we? No, it's so dark, I can't see a thing. We're very near the bell tower, Watson. In a few moments, we shall pass through the Blandford graveyard at the rear of the abbey and thence to the tower. Mm, graveyard, indeed. I must confess it goes with the mood of those bells. Listen to them toll. Yes. Mournful, aren't they, Watson? Eerie is more like it, Holmes. They sound as though they're ringing out a funeral in the night. Obviously, they are. Young Griggs has taken this opportunity to ring out a requiem for his dead father. Well, I wish he'd change to something more cheerful, Holmes. That blasted tolling is beginning to get on my nerves. Holmes, great Scott! Listen to those bells. Yes, Watson, something's gone wrong. Sounds as though young Griggs has suddenly gone mad. Quick, no time for talk now. To the bell tower. Here, Watson, through this door. The only way to get into the bell tower. Yes. <laughs> right, Holmes. Griggs, the bell ringer. Yes, Watson. Hanging by his neck on the bell rope, swinging back and forth like a grotesque pendulum. Stop to think of it, you have a lot to be grateful for here in America, especially the brilliant American ideas that are dreamed up just to give your hard-earned dollars greater value. Let's take one shining example, the Clippercraft plan. More than 1,200 fine independent stores from coast to coast participate in this plan, and it would stagger you to know how much money Clippercraft saves on production and distribution costs. But it is these very savings that make it possible for Clippercraft to give you the finer quality of expensive-looking top coats or overcoats for as little as forty to forty-seven fifty, and it is because of these savings that you can own Clippercraft's new lightweight zipper lining top coats at incredibly low prices. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and overcoats. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. <laughs> 
And now, let, let's return to our story, Dr. Watson. Well, Mr. Harris, Holmes and I stood there for a moment, spellbound in horror, watching the limp figure hanging by the neck sway back and forth, back and forth, in a wide arc in the bell tower, for all the world like a gruesome human pigeon. We'd seen no one enter or leave the bell tower. Then, while I held the bell ringer's lantern high, Holmes seized young Griggs's body and gently brought it to a stop. Then he pointed out, Watson, this door is the only entrance or exit to the bell tower. Yet this bell ringer was strangled and hung upon that rope not one minute ago. Holmes, you mean... I mean that the murderer may still be in this bell tower. What? Watson, you have your service revolver with you? Yes, I took it along, Holmes, but... Give it to me. But why? Quick, Watson, your revolver. Holmes, what are you going to do? Hold that bell ringer's lantern high, Watson. I intend to climb that ladder and have a look into the belfry. Did you see anyone up there, Holmes? No, Watson, the belfry's empty. Uh, Holmes, perhaps it was suicide after all. Rubbish. We found the corpse swinging back and forth on a wide arc, did we not? Oh, yes, I... Then we may make an elementary deduction... A man who hanged himself on a rope would be found in a stationary position. Obviously, being dead and suspended in midair, he could not swing himself to and fro. Jove, Holmes, it's quite clear now. Someone must have been present to give the corpse a push. Exactly. A murderer, Watson, with a fiendish sense of the dramatic. I... Uh-huh. Holmes, what is it? Look here, Watson. On the floor. On the floor? Holmes, I can't say I, I see anything here. Use your eyes, man. Use your eyes. Observe. Note the tiny grains of sand on the stone surface, somewhat moist to the touch. What of it? You'll recall, Watson, that we came to this bell tower along a flagstone walk. Moreover, the entire abbey here is surrounded by a thick lawn. By this reasoning... Holmes, someone is coming. Yes, Watson. Hello. Hello. Oh, Oh, it's you, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson. I heard the bells and I... Good Lord. Griggs! Young Peter Griggs, he's... He's dead. Quite. But how did it happen? How... That is what we hope to ascertain, Mr. Easterby. I must say that your appearance here is somewhat of a surprise. Eh, what do you mean? You told Watson and me at Baker Street that you would not return to Beachy Head until tomorrow. It seems that your plans have suddenly changed. I, uh, Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I did finish early. Caught the night train back. But enough of that. It's these hideous murders. I assure you, Mr. Holmes, I shall have something extraordinary to say to Lord Blanford in the morning. Ah, up that last day, eh, Watson. Oh, good morning, Holmes. You seem to have left the hotel early. I did indeed, Watson, and after reinforcing myself with an excellent breakfast of kippers, scrambled eggs, toast and marmalade and tea, <laughs> I took the liberty of examining the Abbey premises in broad daylight. And particularly the bell tower, I suppose. On the contrary, Watson, I studiously avoided the bell tower. At the moment, surrounded by a crowd of the morbidly curious, and the local constables hard put to keep the onlookers at their distance. For my part, I found the graveyard adjacent to the tower far more interesting. You did? Why, her? The stones and the main mausoleum itself are built entirely of sandstone and house the last remains of the Blandford family far back into antiquity. After that, I visited the bank and exchanged amenities with several of the local tradesmen. Oh, dash it, Holmes, you sound like a tourist with a Baedeker. After all, we're dealing with murder here, you know. Come in. 
Mr. Earl, Dr. Watson. Yes? My name is Whitford, sir. Coachman in the service of Lord Blanford. Well? His lordship requests your presence at the Abbey, sir, on a matter of urgent importance. Mr. Holmes, I have decided to ask Dr. Watson yourself not to pursue this case any longer. Have you indeed, Lord Blanford? May I ask why? I do this only at the earnest recommendation of Mr. Easterly, the Abbey trustee. He insists that I close the Blanford Bell Tower. Remove the bell. Do you mean silence them forever, Your Lordship? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Hmm. Rather sudden decision, I must say. True, Mr. Holmes, true. But these tragedies, they've been too much. We've just been forced to rope off the grounds to keep the morbidly curious at the distance. The bell tower has become a house of murder. Death. Uh, what is it, Mr. Holmes? What are you staring at? Watson, allow me the use of your pocket handkerchief. Oh, of course, Holmes. Lord Blanford seems to have a red smudge on his left shoulder. Ah, came off quite easily. Oh, really, Mr. Oh, Holmes? Oh, forgive the interruption, Your Lordship. That smudge was a jarring note in an otherwise fastidious appearance. Pray proceed. You said you were going to... But... Great heavens, Holmes, listen. The bells. Yes, Watson. It seems that the tower has a new bell ringer after all. Well, I don't understand it. Who could be ringing those bells? Suppose we hurry to the bell tower and see for ourselves, Your Lordship. Well, here we are, Holmes. Yes, Watson. We'll be inside the tower in a moment. Well, I don't understand it, Mr. Holmes. I don't understand it. Who could be ringing those bells? We shall see the moment we walk through this door. Whoever it is, it's obviously a professional. Why, it's Mudge. Oliver Mudge. Interesting, Lord Blanford. Steady. The original bell ringer comes back to roost. Mudge! Mudge! Let those bells alone, do you hear? No! No! You'll not drive me away this time, your lordship. You'll not drive me away from my children. I hear you are going to take them down from the tower, but I'll not let you do it. Will I, my children? Not I order you to drop those bells. Oh, my babies. Open your bronze mouth. Ring, ting, crying to the countryside. They'll never take you away from me, will they now? Higher and higher, my golden beauty. Tell them you'll stay. Tell them you'll never leave this tower. But for God's sake, the of bell, the big one is falling. <laughs> Mudge. Mr. Holmes, is he dead? Yes, your lordship, he is indeed. That heavy bell hurtling downward hit Mudge a solid blow, killed him instantly. Oh, what the juice is going on? This is the third time a man has been struck down in this tower. I... Holmes, where are you going? Up into the belfry, Watson. And this time I hope to find some very pertinent answers to this hideous riddle. <laughs> Yes, Watson. Found anything up there in the belfry? I have indeed, Watson. First of all, the fiend responsible for these monstrous crimes used a hacksaw on the metal support of the big center barrel. Saw it almost completely through. Anything else up there, Mr. Holmes? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, indeed, Lord Blanford. What is it? The murderer left his footprints in the dust of the belfry. And in doing so, Your Lordship, I might add, he left his death warrant. Watson. Yes, Holmes? We'll return to the belfry here tomorrow morning with the proper apparatus to take cast of these footprints. 
After that, I'm willing to wager that the villain will be apprehended and the case closed. Where the juice have you been all evening? You've been gone from the inn since late this afternoon. I've been making the rounds of every pub in Beachy Head, Watson. Every pub in the name of heaven, Holmes, why? Not to quaff the native ale, I assure you, Watson, but rather to disseminate gossip and spread news. By this time, my dear fellow, there's not a man, woman, or child who does not know those footprints in the Tower Belfry. Yeah, but dash it, Holmes, you'll warn the criminal that we're going to take cast of his footprints tomorrow. Precisely, Watson. And that's why you and I are going to visit Blandford Bell Tower tonight. I mean, the fiend of the bell tower will be there tonight to wipe away the evidence before we get there in the morning. But we shall steal a march on him, my dear fellow. We shall be waiting there in the dark of the night to meet him. Say, Holmes, I'm getting juice of tired lying prone on this belfry floor. If you had some idea who this fellow is... I have, Watson. His identity is quite obvious. So, too, is his method of exit and entrance into this tower. And so is his motive for these hideous crimes. Well, then, dash it, Holmes, why don't you tell me? Shh, Watson, why? Holmes. Our friend has arrived, Watson. You have your revolver ready? Yes, Holmes, I have. He'll be climbing the ladder up here to the belfry in a moment. Here he comes up the ladder. Yes, Watson. Shrink back against the wall. Yes. Stand where you are, Lord Blanford. What? By Joe Blanford! Don't move, Your Lordship. Dr. Watson has a revolver pointed at you, and I assure you he'll use it if necessary. I see. Then you know that I... Yes, Lord Blanford. I knew some time ago. But how? How? I thought I... The ego of the criminal mind, Your Lordship. Your crimes were far from perfect to a careful analyst. First of all, you were careless enough to leave grains of sand on the floor. Moist sand. That sand could not have come from the ground since they consisted entirely of lawn and flagstone walks. Yes, but Holmes, I don't know. Elementary, my dear Watson, elementary. Moist sand meant sand from underground. We did not see His Lordship come out of the doorway, you recall. Therefore, he must have left the tower from within through some sort of tunnel dug underground. And I believe there is a tunnel leading into this tower from the mausoleum. Is there not, Lord Banford? You, hid in your ancestors' mausoleum, came in through the tunnel, hanged those unfortunate bell ringers, and returned to the mausoleum. How did you know I was in the mausoleum? The tomb is a soft red sandstone. And you had a red smudge on your shoulder, which I wiped off on Dr. Watson's handkerchief here. That smudge also proved to be sandstone. Lord Blanford, why did you commit these horrible hatches? Money, Dr. Watson. I needed money. Yes, so I ascertained at the bank and by talking to various tradesmen here in the village, Your Lordship. You were heavily in debt through some unfortunate stock transactions and you needed to recoup. Oh, the bells. That was the answer, do you hear? The bells. If I could get them out of the tower, they'd be mine. I could sell them for thousands of pounds. But you couldn't dismantle the bells without facing an aroused citizenry, could you, Lord Blanford? You knew the South Downs folk would never let you tear down that tower, so dear to them by tradition. Yes, yes, that's correct. So you fell upon this fiendish scheme to make the tower a death trap, and thus have a legitimate excuse to dismantle the Blanford Bell. Ah, uh, oh yes, I counted upon the notoriety. Watson. Yes, Holmes. Go to the village and get a constable. I'll wait here with Lord Blanford. 
And I promise him all the notoriety he wants. In every newspaper in England. Dr. Watson, that, that certainly was an exciting adventure. Yes, Mr. Harris. I might add here that Holmes was true to his promise. Lord Blandford's photograph appeared in every newspaper in Britain, and he was speedily sentenced and sent to the gallows. And the Blandford bells, Doctor? <laughs> as far as I know, Mr. Harris, they are still ringing out the curfew at Beachy Head to this very day. I see. Well, what about next week's adventure, Dr. Watson? Well, next week... I shall relate to you the case of the well-advertised murder. It concerns a woman's desperate fight to keep from becoming a homicidal maniac. The makers of Clippercraft clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockridge. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Feldman. This week's story was written by Max Ehrlich, with special music by Albert Berman. don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Case of the Well-Advertised Murder. Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Stay with us for Behind the Front Page with Gabriel Heater, which follows in a moment. <laughs>